Hello and welcome to Dairy Dialogue 25, the weekly podcast on the global dairy industry brought to you by DairyReporter.com. I'm Jim Cornell, editor of Dairy Reporter, and this week we have a recap of another event, this time Expo West from Anaheim, California. And for once, I didn't get kicked, stepped on, walked into, or herded on public transport. And the reason for that is quite simple, I wasn't there. Our reporter from the Chicago office, Beth Newhart, was one of a few people from our company, William Reed Business Media, attending the show, and apparently it didn't get off to a very good start with some hotel issues. I found in the past that when there's a major event going on, hotel prices naturally go up and they're hard to come by, so where possible I stay in a neighbouring community and take public transport, of course within reason. As an example, for Vita Foods coming up in Geneva in May, I stay in France right next door to Geneva and just walk five minutes and take a tram. Of course, it could be that with Brexit looming, I might not get in or I might not get out, but that's a whole other story and a mess I don't really want to get into or this podcast will be about three hours long. The only problem that we did have recording the program for you this week is that I recorded the whole thing and then noticed that I'd forgotten to hit the record button. Hopefully it doesn't happen again. The 2019 Natural Products Expo West show brought together more than 86,000 attendees from 136 countries this month. It's the world's largest natural, organic and healthy products event, and it's tricky to cover the entire floor of more than 3,600 exhibiting companies, although Beth gave it a good go. She was also reporting for our sister publication, Beverage Daily, but for Dairy Reporter she sat down and sometimes stood up with several dairy brands over the course of the five day show talking about what's new. We have conversations with Lifeway about a new plant-based kefir drink, A2 Milk Company's line of creamers, Coffee Mate's new products from Natural Bliss, and Medley Foods' vegan-flavoured butter substitutes. As well as the companies from the show, we also take a weekly look at the global dairy markets with Charlie Highland from INTL FC Stone. The first interview this week is about the natural bliss line of coffees, creamers and half and half, born out of the Coffee Mate brand, using non-GMO and all-natural ingredients. Dairy Reporter spoke to brand manager Candice Jefferson about the success of its plant-based half and half and oat beverage that just launched this year, and first asked about the origins of Natural Bliss. Natural Bliss is, is, uh, was started back in 2011 um, and it's really taken off in the past few years and so we actually have quite a large range uh, and again our widest um, and most appealing are our dairy-based creamers and we have sweet cream, vanilla, toasted coconut, cinnamon cream and then within our dairy line we also have a reduced sugar segment and so these are our honey sweetened uh, creamers that have 30% less sugar because we use honey and and then we have two flavors within that we have honey cream and honey pecan and those are all of our dairy base and then we go into plant base where we have almond milk and within that we have three flavors so we have almond milk vanilla and almond milk hazelnut and caramel and then we also have coconut milk sweet cream and then we'll move on to our plant-based half and half uh, that we just launched this year and we have two we have an unsweetened unflavored and then we have a vanilla plant-based and that'll be almond milk and coconut cream 
and then we'll have an oat milk which we just launched um, so quite a lot of stuff yeah. um, all within creamers and then also we'll have cold brew coffee which is already the coffee with the creamer inside and we have two flavors there mocha and sweet cream so we actually have national distribution so you would find us in typical grocery stores like Safeway, Meyer, Walmart, Target. Some of our plant-based items have a little bit lower distribution. So for example, Target would be the, the number one place you could find oat milk right now, but we're solely getting distribution in um, regional retailers like HEB, for example. So Coffee Made uh, Natural Bliss grew out of the company. Oh, okay. Um, it's, uh, really great uh, story because we saw all these evolving trends and consumers coming to conventions like this. And obviously consumers really looking for natural, simple ingredients, plant-based items, just more variety and more selection and that's kind of how Natural Bliss was grown, right? It really came from this desire to provide consumers with options and choice uh, no matter how they wanted uh, to make their perfect cup of coffee and, and that's kind of what we've been doing since. Does Coffee Mate have plant-based creamers, or is that this is the whole section of it? This, this would be, so Coffee Mate does not today. We're really focusing uh, all of our plant-based innovation with Natural Bliss right now. Um, so you said the oat milk has been the hit of the, the day? Yes, for sure. It is by far and away, and I think we see that, right? Oat milk is just a, a growing trend. We see it yeah. everywhere on the floor. Not just in beverages, we see like bars and snacking, food items, so oats are just growing. I think it's, you know, we have to take, keep in mind that the stuff we see here in, in conventions like Expo East and Expo West, they're just getting started, right? And so it, it takes a little bit of time before the things that we see here become more mainstream. You know, I think Oatly is something that we saw a few years back and, and now it's becoming more mainstream. You started, you know, I think Oatly is now in, in Target, for example. Yeah. So it just takes a little bit of time um, and it's good just to, to see it all from the very beginning. Right. Did you say that there was a, um, a ready to drink beverage? before where, there, where the, the creamer's already in the coffee or the cold brew? Yes, yeah. so those are our cold brew coffees that we have here okay. for a full serving, eight ounce <laughs> servings, anywhere from 15 to 20 grams of sugar, which is pretty much in line with all of these RTD coffee beverages that we see out there obviously consumers are expecting a, a high degree of taste they're not willing to compromise on taste yeah so we want to make sure that we're, we're meeting those needs next Beth spoke with Lifeway CEO Julie Smolianski about an Eastern European product that's entering into new markets and doing very well although how it's pronounced depends on where you're from in some places it's kefir while in North America it's pronounced kefir just in case anyone's unsure what's being talked about here. Lifeway is credited with bringing kefir, or kefir, to the US and has been manufacturing it for 30 years. And over the last four years, Lifeway has developed Plantiful, a plant-based kefir beverage. Beth started out by asking how the product is doing in the US market. We're excited that like it's becoming so widely accepted and we recently started distributing to Rite Aid, for example, and our eight ounce little kefirs are really growing rapidly, even though in dairy there's a decline and you know milk is, is declining as we all know. Fermented dairy is different than just milk, and that's one of our tasks right now is, is sharing an idea of fermented milk actually reducing inflammation in the body and the awareness of that and Rite Aid's acceptance of kefir really tells me that 
we still haven't scratched the surface on awareness, but that or on our distribution, that that the, our longtime users who have been buying our product at the grocery store for their families in the big sizes, they want this product on the go now. They want this in all other areas of their lives. It's no longer a niche. And Rite Aid has been doing so well with it that they're expanding their distribution and they're actually the first ones to take plant-based. They have just approved distribution on so I go figure, Rite Aid would be leading the charge on healthy eating. I never thought. But it's really it's really great because again, I think it just shows how far the whole industry has come to be so mass approved and, and it's consumers driving it. It's consumers demanding, wanting these better for you options. So it's great because it you know, it gives us an opportunity to get into the hands of people that never had it before. Millennials, of course. They don't want big sizes. They don't want to commit to anything. Millennials want smaller sizes. That's a new kind of pivot for us. We've always focused on our large 32 ounce bottles. And it's great because we have this legacy of, you know, most companies are trying to get to the 32 ounce. So the eight ounce we're doing really well with. Um, we're really excited. And we've gone through a really beautiful package change across the board, really highlighting the word keeper because people now know it. 10 years ago, people still didn't know what Kiefer was. I think that label redesign is also incredibly important for us as a brand. And the other really exciting thing is, as we all know, that plant-based is just on fire. So plant-based and microbiome, for you know, fermented food, these are the hot trends at Expo. And we have been working and formulating this product for, well, about four years when we saw that this was kind of a trend that was starting a movement. That, that was started and we got very close to a great product and the formula did not hold the way that we wanted it to hold and so we spent the last year perfecting this and we're finally there and we're shipping we're already shipping now um, so this is a vegan plant-based probiotic beverage it's going to be available in sort of larger 24 ounces and also in pouches for kids so we'll be the first nationwide um, plant-based probiotic for kids in a pouch. So that'll be great. You think that this could could help in the, oh, yeah. the dairy world? 100%. I think it's going to be a natural pivot. I don't think dairy's gone. Far from it. I think we'll see. Like all trends that we've been through, I've been in this business. Well, my parents started it 30 years ago, so I grew up in it. I saw the fat-free movement, I saw the Atkins movement, all of that stuff, and all of the things that they said was actually wrong in the 80s and the 90s, and that's, and I think the same thing, dairy is still one of the most nutritious, full, like everything you need from a fat, calcium, protein, the various molecules, the composition of the way that the milk, uh, you know, that the milk is formed and all of that, you still, for whatever reason, and there's a lot of reasons, this is the thing, if there's a, the reason people are turning away from dairy, there are so many of them. For some, it's lactose intolerance, a higher rate of, you know, medical diagnoses. We were talking about this last night, you know, the democratization of the various, like, DNA testing and, like, 23andMe and stuff. So people are getting sort of diagnosed with things that they may or may not actually have, and then 
But we also know that like people as they get older lose the enzyme to be able to tolerate dairy. But if you start turning away from it, your body will start attacking itself. So we're also creating new allergies. We're creating these various things in our bodies that then it fights itself and that we have crazy autoimmune diseases. We have crazy records of food allergies, crazy levels of ADHD, crazy levels of autism. You gotta start to wonder like by eliminating things in some, in, in, you know, the way that we do, these knee-jerk reactions to eliminate something, how that impacts, like, our bodies, like, what is it fighting, what sorts of, how is it compromising what you're eliminating by creating and fighting something else? My feeling is, like, a balance to everything, to have a little bit of everything, you know? So there's that, there's, um, you know, ethical reasons, vegan so there's, there's a whole slew of why this is happening. In any case, it's happening. And our consumers have been asking us to create a vegan plant-based option. So we did. And uh, I think it's the best one on the market. We've spent a lot of time testing a lot of the competition in terms of the other products that are out there that are alternatives to the original. Yeah, I mean, for those who aren't already your customers and that they're, they're turning away from dairy, why should they be turning to you, you know, out of all of the other plant-based options? I mean, I think we have a 30-year legacy, over 30-year legacy of producing a high-quality product with an unmatched, you know, an unmatched level of quality. Uh, that's one thing. And we have a committed community that's loyal to this brand. But, you know, we brought Kiefer to the country and to the, to the mass, really, world. I mean, to market this product, nobody's ever marketed it or told a story. But it's a 2,000-year-old product that survived and stood the test of time. It's overcome famines, wars, all sorts of history for 2,000 years. And that stands for something. Are there and, other, um, like you said, it's a growing, expanding category. What about competition now that you've established yourself as the Kiefer brand? Are there others trying to replicate what you're doing? I think it's still kind of like a niche. I think it's taking off. I mean, the global Kiefer market is going to double in the next year or two, they said. It's an exciting new category that's just getting going. It's a whole new category. Yeah. You know, it's up until now, it was only in the Caucasus Mountains that kind of very artisan made and now the story of it is being told and not every food has a story and not every food has not every brand has a story so I think that's one really important thing is and I think it's really inspiring for people to hear about our story and be a part of it and I and I think that you know there's a lot of stuff on the market that's questionable but the thing is probiotics in a dairy source actually is the best way to still get your probiotics they survive the entire digestive tract but you really to get the best benefit you want to consume it in its food source and let it work from the time that you start you know produce digestion starts in the you know mouth as soon as you take your first sip coating your mouth getting it through your esophagus like doing that with a pill you're just missing a ton of benefits and then the stomach is really acid so when it gets there it doesn't survive the stomach 
and now it's like I see it in the bars and the cereals and this and that and like people are buying stuff and thinking that it's having a benefit and I you know to some extent it's like the industry is a little bit the wild zone right now so it's kind of frustrating and which is also like labeling issues like we're you know Kiefer we are committed to maintaining its authenticity and its meaning and for 2,000 years it's been produced with a lactating mammal that's the standard of identity the International Dairy Federation has um, determined that for it to be labeled as kefir the bacteria needs to be inoculated in a lactating mammal source dairy free kefir cannot actually exist you know it's like mislabeling and it's then so when people are labeling it's like the wild west not having any um, ethical kind of value system in preserving its identity I 2,000 years of stories have not been told on a plant-based kefir. <laughs> 2,000 years are on a dairy. You know, re- 100 years of research was not done on a plant-based kefir. So now you're taking this word and selling people a health benefit that you are now blurring the lines. And, I, you know, I don't know if plant-based kefir can help reduce heart attacks in men. In Finland, they said kefir helps reduce heart attacks in men. But... And so you can invalidate all this research. And I just think this industry, people have to be, leaders have to be more responsible in how they're labeling their food. And they can't, I mean, they're just taking a buzzword and running with it. But it's like the time is right now. The market's finally ready and we're in a place where we've learned a lot and have grown a lot as a company in our operations um, where we can really execute now what I think the demand is going to be over the next couple of years. Blake Waltrip is the U.S. CEO of the A2 Milk Company, which has expanded its products to the U.S. after seeing success in Australia, New Zealand and the U.K., as well as in China. The company launched some coffee creamers at Expo West, and we asked about the launch. Coffee creamers, we're launching uh, two flavors, uh, vanilla and sweet cream, and uh, it's two top flavors in the creamer category. It's a clean deck, you know, simple ingredient coffee creamer. It's A2 milk, A2 cream, sugar, and natural flavors. That's it, very clean. And that's what the category needs, a lot of clean dairy-based opportunities. A lot of the non-dairy stuff has a lot of ingredients in it that we didn't want to have in our products. So we think it's a big opportunity. It links well with milk. It's in the same case. It's the number one product consumers ask for from us when they write in asking, when are you going to have a coffee creamer? So we're excited to bring it out. Um, It'll be in a quart-sized 32-ounce it's astounding how much coffee creamer people use. So a quart size goes pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're uh, we're thrilled. We're getting a good reaction from it so far. It's a nice linkage to uh, to our milk, as I mentioned. And so you know we're continuing to push our distribution on a national basis. We're over 12,000 stores now in the U.S. and uh, continuing to build that distribution. And most importantly, building the awareness by consumers for the A2 proposition. 
We started with the, the simple principle that, you know, this is a dairy nutrition brand and we provide clean and pure dairy products across everything we do. So when we went to develop the dairy creamer, we were looking to make sure that we developed a very simple, straightforward, clean, dairy-based creamer product. And uh, we knew that flavored creamers are a, are a big initiative. So we just set about building. We worked with a product development group to help us create the formulation. Obviously did a lot of testing back and forth and, and ultimately landed on where the formula we have today, which is it's the perfect combination of great taste and clean dairy at the same time. And, and the beauty is it has the A2 benefit of being easier on digestion because it only has the A2 protein in it. So everything we do is based on this fundamental proposition that the A2 protein is a better for you proposition. And, um, and so we're, uh, I mean, that's really our treasure with everything we do. We'll be coming out with more new products that are, that are on the dairy nutrition side of the equation. On a global basis, you may know that Infant Formula is one of the biggest pieces of business on a global basis for the company. So, um, infant formulas in Australia and China are a big part of our, our global portfolio. Uh, will you be rolling up the creamers outside of the U.S.? You know, creamers are really a U.S. phenomenon. You know, it's really a category that in Australia they look at me and they think I'm crazy when right. I'm launching creamers because they don't use coffee creamers over there. It's really been a U.S. driven phenomenon. You'll see some of that. There are a couple of countries that you'll see it developing in. As a matter of fact, Mexico has got some creamers. Canada, but really it's been driven by the U.S. So, I, you know, I noticed the, the messaging, lactose intolerant, maybe not. So, you know, do people come to you asking things, like you have education of people who come to you saying, oh, I'm not sure if I'll be able to try this, or oh, this works all for me the when time. I thought I was lactose intolerant? So, that's such a great question, because all the time, that's what we get, is they go, well, I'm lactose intolerant. I say, oh, okay, you're lactose intolerant. Have you been tested? No. Most people are never tested. So they don't know truly if they're lactose intolerant. Um, what our theory is, is that a great number of them are actually intolerant to the A1 protein. There is actually a test for lactose intolerance. Very few people get it. Oftentimes you'll go into your healthcare professional and they'll say, oh, your stomach hurts after you drink dairy. Cut dairy out. Drink plant or drink something else or just go away from dairy. And, and that's really... Uh, more and more nutritionists will tell you that's not the right thing to do because there's fundamentally good nutrition coming from dairy. It's a, it's a complete protein, has all nine essential amino acids in the, in the proper balance. It's why There's a reason it's on the USDA food pyramid to drink two 8-ounce glasses of milk a day because it's giving you fundamental nutrition. And whether you're, you're a child or whether you're an adult, it doesn't matter. You still need that kind of uh, good solid protein in your body. Yeah, and so we get that a lot, and then we say, well, you might be able to drink this, and we have thousands of consumers in the U.S. who have come back and said, I couldn't drink dairy for 10 years, I couldn't drink, I tried this, I have no problems. I think you're kind of in the middle, which I think is an interesting place to be for dairy right now, just because so many people are turning away from it and going to the oat milks and the, the almond milks and the, the whatever. So do you see more people turning to you or... You know, turning to like a flexitarian diet where they're like doing some dairy, some not, some whatever. Yeah, I think what we're seeing is one, we're bringing people back to dairy. Uh, the other thing is we're we're trading some people up from conventional dairy. We're taking some people from lactose-free 
dairy because they find out maybe they don't, you know, they don't like flavor lactose free, and they can actually do better on A2. Fundamentally, here's what's happened: you've got a dairy industry that is, you know, 13 billion dollars. It's six times as big as this plant-based industry, and it hasn't had much innovation for many, many years. As a result, it's been declining, and. The only way out of declining commodity categories is innovation. And that's what we're bringing to the, to the fold. That's what uh, grass-fed has brought into the fold. And fair, and that's what uh, ultra-filtered milk has brought in. There are innovations in the category that bring the consumer back into pure dairy. And what we find is most people love a glass of milk. They would love to be back in pure dairy. So it might be a number of reasons. Often it's this dairy intolerance issue that prevents them from being in dairy. And when they find out that they can have a product that is just real natural dairy, because we don't do anything to the cows. We just go out and find the cows that naturally only produce the A2 protein. And then we just take the milk from those cows. It's not like we're taking anything out. We're not modifying anything. These are. This is actually the way dairy was meant to be. All mammals in the world, with the exception of dairy cows, are A2. So a lot of times people will say, well, I can't drink dairy milk, but I can drink goat's milk. Goat's milk's A2. Mother's breast milk is A2. So, I mean, it's really a, this incredible natural innovation, if you will, that allows people to come back to milk. The category we're creating is the A1 free category. Our brand is A2. There are a couple other small players, the small regional players around the that are starting to to uh, get into this movement of a, and ultimately I believe that the, this will be a significant subset of the total dairy category over time. There's just no question that um, it's such a significant opportunity. In Australia today, A2 is about 11% of the total milk category. A2 is actually bigger than plant, organic, and lactose-free categories combined in Australia. So it's, it shows you the, I mean, obviously it's a different construct in the, in the dairy market there, but it shows you, for us, it gives us a lot of excitement about the potential uh, for what this can be in the U.S. And we're, look, we're in the early phases of growing this business, but we've been really pleased so far with the progress and the momentum that we have, and also that retailers are very open to bringing a product like this on shelf. They're desperately looking for ways to build their dairy sales. Because if you get the, the milk purchase, you get the rest of the shopping basket. It's a routine stock up purchase. Next, it's to an interview after the show with one of the attendees, Medley Foods, and the president and CEO, Albert Feldes. Medley Foods brought innovation to the butter category in 2017 with a line of four seasoned butters packaged into small medallion portions ready for seasoning or sautéing, and in February launched vegan alternatives to the products. First, Beth asked for a bit of background about the company and its products. Well, our company started, we launched our first products in September 2017. We started off with four core flavors of a butter blend, a compound butter used for seasoning, mostly in cooking or sauteing or as a finishing flavor. And for 2019, we launched four uh, vegan flavors that kind of play into that same role of kind of helping the customer do it as a, a finishing flavor or as a saute starter. We also launched five flavors of a sweet butter. 
So use more of it as a spread, uh, whether it's on toast, pancakes, muffins. Why did you guys decide to launch uh, a plant-based version right now? And you know, how long have you been working on it? It took us about 12 months to do enough research to get us to the point where we're launching the product. We wanted to give those consumers that uh, maybe have a dairy intolerance or prefer not, not to consume dairy at all for whatever reason, choice in being able to uh, cook these meals that we have been doing with butter. We thought there were very approachable flavors that uh, consumers are very aware of and that they um, are, will be able to, to think a lot of the meals that they currently do, but with these types of flavors. Uh, so we have a lemon chive a sun-dried tomato, a pesto, and a roasted garlic. Well, what was the reception like at Expo West? And how did the show go for you with these with these products? Oh, the show went really well. We had, uh, as always, this is one of our best shows. We had really a lot of great qualified uh, buyers that, that stopped by. We had a lot of interest from some smaller chains, large chains, from start to finish all the way up to the very end. The traffic was terrific and, and an overall great show. So what about the, the sweet whipped flavors? Um, how is this different from your savory options? And, you know, why did you decide to go a sweet route? It's a different meal occasion. We thought that our core flavors are more for kind of a, a finishing for a meal, like a, a solving for a, a dinner, a meal solution. And the sweet flavors are more of a different meal occasion. So we're thinking more breakfast. So whether it's on toast or pancakes, it's it eats almost like a cream cheese. So people that want to kind of mix it up in the morning and do something different than cream cheese, this is a, another option. And those are all dairy, correct? So these are not vegan options? They're not uh, vegan options now. We're looking to, to go ahead and, and roll out um, sweet flavors in vegan options as well. That'll come later in the year or early next year. In terms of... Um you know, how Expo West went. Did you guys see any, uh, you know, interesting dairy trends on the show floor? Um, do you foresee any, you know, competition within the, the space of flavored butter? So I'm just curious, um, you know, what your perception was at the show and what, what you see in the future of this category. So our product was well received. We didn't see uh, many other companies doing flavored seasoned butters or compound butters. There's obviously a other other folks that have been in it a little longer than we have. Our, our, our uniqueness really comes in not only in the quality of ingredients, but the packaging we use. So it's a, we have a tray with eight medallions, and we're kind of instructing the consumer an easy way to, to cook with so that it's, a, you know, if you're seasoning a piece of fish, pop out X amount of these medallions for the portion that you want, and you have a, an easy meal solution. Uh, most of the compound butters that are out there are typically either in tubs uh, or sticks, and uh, and we took a little bit different approach. So not only is the quality ingredients, but also in the in the delivery method. As far as trends that we've seen up in in the market, um, you know, I think plant based, as as everybody has said, is is growing and getting a lot of attention. I, as far as we know, we, we don't see a lot of uh, flavored uh, butters out right now on the vegan route. So I think we're one of the first to come out with flavoring in vegan. Wegmans is the first retailer that we shipped our uh, vegan butters to. They're, they're the first. Our core has been, we're national with Whole Foods, um, up the East Coast uh, with Publix, the Fresh Market, and several other retailers. Um, and then recently, we got an additional 800-plus stores with uh, Albertson Safeway. We've been at one of the divisions here in the Midwest, Jewel, uh, for over a year. 
And now it's our weekly look at the global dairy markets with Charlie Highland from INTLFC Stone. So another um, volatile week in the European dairy markets. I think the biggest thing spurring on movement this week was a, was a very strong uh, global dairy trade auction out of New Zealand, which overall had uh, prices move up about uh, one, almost 2%. But the interesting piece of that is in New Zealand, the, the butter prices were, were very strong. They'd moved up uh, over 9%, 9.3%. So that has led a bit of, uh, given a bit of confidence uh, to butter producers or fat producers in Europe um, because at the moment European prices are the cheapest in the export markets. So there was an expectation that Europe should, should start winning some uh, export contracts for, for butter, which had a knock-on effect of just driving the prices higher in Europe. And, and they moved up quite a bit over the week. Um, we were probably up in the region of uh, 200 euros per tonne. But it feels like the overall market has just been, I guess, taking the the view from the GDT that prices need to move a bit higher. The interesting thing is on the production side in Europe, the season is looking quite good in terms of the year-on-year production increases. Current weekly numbers uh, look like it'll be will be positive from March in terms of milk collections. And so you know, all in all, there's no real crisis in terms of availability of product. So uh, now that we've moved up to these higher levels, it, it should result in increased transactions. On the skim milk powder side, it's moved a slight lower during the week, but it's, uh, in general, it's been quite stable. I think in export statistics show we've had a very good uh, export, almost record highs in January. So exports have been strong, mostly going to uh, China and Southeast Asia. And that has been supporting the prices uh, recently, but uh, there have, they have taken a small bit of a, a dip lower as, uh, as it looks like China has uh, stopped buying in the, in the short term, or at least reduced their buying in the short term. Uh, in general, though, the, the market, if you look at it, so the fat side of the equation has been higher, but the protein side has been slightly lower. But in general, uh, things are looking positive. That's great. Thanks a lot, Charlie. INTL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's just about it for another week. Not sure what we have lined up for you next week, which is media speak for nothing is lined up yet for next week, but we'll have something for you and I promise it won't just be me talking for half an hour, which is a sure way to lose all the subscribers. So until then, thanks for listening.